Okay, we're on a, a, a series of messages which I'm calling the joy of the Lord. Um, the verse that we're using for that is Nehemiah 8.10. It will come up on the screen here. This is our theme verse for the next foreseeable future at least until God says something different to us. And it says this, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. It starts well. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's our strap line. I hope we say that enough in our church life over the few, next few weeks and months that it just becomes normal. You will know Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah? Get it in your bedroom. Get it on your fridge. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, what I said last week is that I'm not going to keep giving the context of that. I gave the context of that last week, and it takes a little while to do it. So I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go onto our podcasts, either at kesed.org or get the podcast app and find Kesed Church Podcast. And I gave a message called Enjoy Yourself, and yourself was in capital letters. It was about enjoying you. But I gave the context of that verse. I'm not going to do it again, so I encourage you, go and have a look at it. It will be helpful to you. We are saying that this is going to be a year where we focus on what it's like to laugh what it's like to celebrate, what it's like to enjoy, what it's like to live in joy. Doesn't that sound good? You know, life can be tough. I like to have a bit of reality. You know, life can be tough. But actually, when we focus on God, when we get ourselves in his word, it can be a life of joy. But we have to do that intentionally. Our default mode will get sucked into a world system where everything's just a hassle. We're always striving for something and never quite reaching it. But actually, this could be a year where we celebrate, enjoy, and live a life that glorifies God. Yeah? We can do that, but we need to encourage each other with that. I want to encourage you on a thought process that doesn't just have moments of joy and do have moments of joy and celebrate the moments of joy. Who knows that we have moments of joy? And what we do with them is we go, oh, that was good, and we move on. We never actually celebrate the moments. Let's get good at celebrating the moments. I've had an amazing thing happen this week. Someone encouraged me. It's a moment. But more than that, not to just have moments, but to let joy be your norm. That you become known for joy. I know, and I think it's true, that when people hang out with Sarah and I, we laugh a lot. We are people who are known for our joy. And we are not perfect, and we don't get it right all of the time. But if you hang out with us, you will laugh. We went out with Frank last night, didn't we, Frank? Glad you made it, mate. <laughs> We laughed a lot. I think that is over the side there. We laughed lots. Why? Because when you get around us, we're known for our joy. And so therefore, I believe I can preach a message like this because it's coming from me. And I carry that. I want you to be people who are known for your joy. Yes, have moments, but they're not the be all and end all. Be known for your joy. Let it be your everyday experience. Let joy become your default mode. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that takes a shift. So I've titled today's message, Joy of the Lord, part two. What is your source? Turn to the person next to you and say, what is your source? And there are various sources. I like to be honest, I love things. Anyone here love things? Love stuff. I love stuff. Why shouldn't we? We always pretend we don't love stuff when secretly we love stuff. As I was growing up and I started to drive, a round of applause for Miri. Where's Miri? You here somewhere? Miri, she passed the driving test first time this week. You want Miri? <laughs> Love that. I started getting into cars, and you know, being a 17, 18 year old lad, you had to have a souped up fast car. I didn't put a stupid exhaust on it, don't worry about that. 
But I, I, I used to have a Peugeot 205 GTI. Now, that's old school. Has anyone ever heard of one of them? You know, back in the day, they were, we used to call it the pocket rocket. It was a little car, and it was really fast. But as you went around the corner, it just looked like a roller skate. It just stuck to the road. And so, therefore, you could hammer it. Obviously, I never broke the law. <laughs> but it was fast. And there was two versions of the, the Peugeot 205 GTI. There was the 1.6-litre engine, and then there was the 1.9-litre engine. Guess which was the better one? And guess which one I had? If you're going to have one, have the right one. So I had the 1.9 GTI, and it was my, at the time, it was my little pride and joy. It, it, I loved it. I'd get in that car, and I'd whiz around, overtaking everyone, cutting everyone up. It was brilliant. It gave me joy. It was a thing. And let's not pretend that things don't sometimes give us joy, because they just do. You ain't that holy. <laughs> so I used to love this thing, but I don't know if you've ever seen one, but the badges were on the back panel, so you've got the, the side windows, and at the back of that, they had two badges, and it said GTI, and then it had either 1.9 or 1.6, and they were plastic badges. They were only stuck on with double-sided foam. And so one morning, I came out of my house, it was our house, Sarah and I were married at the time, and someone had nicked my 1.9 badges. I tell you, I said, praise the Lord. I said, bless them, Father, they must really need them badges. Someone had nicked me badges. I could believe it. Anyway, we were driving around, Sarah and I, and we saw another 1.9 GTI. And a thought dropped into my head. <laughs> I wasn't a pastor at the time. And yes, we nicked the badges. We went home. I was all chuffed with myself. Well, I, was, I, I decided my own one. There's probably 21.9s in Colchester and 19 badges. So I reckon they just went round in a circle. And it was my turn not to have a badge. So I, I nicked these badges and we sat in there. And, and Sarah and I had rented a film. It was so long ago we went to Blockbuster. And... Uh, you know when you go to Blockbuster and you spend about six years choosing a film which takes an hour to watch, you know? And so we're sitting watching this film and halfway through the film I looked at Sarah and said, I'm not enjoying this, I feel terrible. She went, so do I, shall we take it back? We stopped our film, got in the car and took and put the badges back on the other car. Because we actually are that holy. <laughs> but my point is this, when the badges, and ultimately it's two pieces of plastic, when the badges came off the car, I lost a bit of joy in that car. And that's just stupid, but it's also real. You see, my joy was in the thing, but when the thing deteriorated, so did my joy. And ultimately, I think we live like that. Who believes in retail therapy? All the women have given it. Oh, yes, now we're talking my language. I'm surprised the two girls didn't dance down the front right then. I think retail therapy is a thing. It's a thing. You know, even I, as a man... Sometimes quite enjoy a bit of retail therapy. You know, oh, I've been a tough week to spend some money. It's a thing and it does invoke joy because whatever it is you bought, you're like, yeah, we do enjoy things and I think we should enjoy things, but we need to also know that that's not where joy is because otherwise you live in yo yo joy. And these moments are amazing and these moments not so much. You're hearing me. I love people. Anyone here love people? Yeah. Oh, you people didn't put your hands up. Man. <laughs> I've got a sore neck. Couldn't put my hand up there, are <laughs> I love people. And, and when I met Sarah, it gave me great joy to think about her. 
I wanted to be with her all of the time. When we spent time together, it was a source of joy. Sarah was a source of joy. She's a person, and I loved her. She made me happy. I hope I made her happy. <laughs> but people, we make each other happy. But if the people is your source of joy, what happens when they're in a bad space? And the trouble is when you get close with people, whether you're realising it or not, you're giving the, them the power to affect your life. So, and actually the greatest power you can give to someone is when you marry them. So marry the right person. Because you are giving them a huge licence to speak into your life, act into your life and change your life. And so when you give someone or a group of people coming to this church, is awesome. And I take leading the church as a privilege and an honour because you're allowing me to speak into your church or the leadership to speak into your life. That is powerful. And I hope that the way we speak into your life firstly promotes and glorifies God, but secondly helps you be a better version of yourself. I think we use that language. But I give Sarah permission, in effect, to affect my joy. And sometimes she's in a bad space and says something and it hurts me. Anyone ever been hurt by a person? Everyone has been hurt by a person, whether you're sticking your hands up or not. You have. Because we're people and we don't get it right all the time. I get it right nearly all the time. <laughs> but there was that one time, wasn't there, says, I think I stuffed it up, yeah. But people, what happens, and this is real, when that person dies? Does that mean your joy is gone? See, if people is the source of your joy, and they should be a source of joy, but they shouldn't be the source of joy. Otherwise, you're ending up in this yo-yo situation again. And yes, celebrate the people and enjoy the moments. But if that's all of it is, what happens here? And we live this life so up and down, and that's not healthy, and that's not good, and that's not demonstrating Jesus. What about God? What he does brings incredible joy. What about when you get to that stage and you're really up against it and you're like, God, do something. Open a door. Shift my health situation. I need some finances. And how about those times when you just know, you know, you know, it had to be him. Anyone had an it had to be him moment? You know, because I know sometimes, you know, people go, oh, it's coincidence. And maybe sometimes it is. But there are definitely times when it had to be him. Who knows that they're a source of joy? Who knows you're bouncing off the walls that moment when the check comes through the post or the job offer comes or the health report changes or you meet the person you were hoping to spend the rest of your life with and been praying for for a long time. When those things happen, it had to be him. It's a source of joy. Those moments are amazing and we should celebrate them. Let me show you in a it had to be him moment in Exodus. You'll find in Exodus 14, I'm not going to read lots of it, but in Exodus 14, you'll find the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Most of you will know the story that the Israelite people have been in captivity and slavery in Egypt for generations and generations and generations. They're, they're being made to work harder, longer hours, with less equipment and less stuff, and it's just getting very, very, very difficult. And then Moses comes in and challenges Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And a whole bunch of circumstances happen. And eventually they go. Who knows, as they're walking out of Egypt, out of slavery, they're joyous. Who knows, that is a moment where they would be saying, that had to be him. Because that's just unnatural. But God's into the unnatural. 
on the supernatural. And we need to start making that our norm, don't we, church? Let's let our faith arise this year. And they go along and they're, they're all clapping and singing and enjoying. And they come to the Red Sea. As they get to the Red Sea, they turn around and realize that the Egyptian army is chasing them down. And Pharaoh's had a change of heart. He's like, no, I'm not going to let them go. Now, they've come out of slavery. They're all chuffed. They've had a moment. They've been celebrating it. Literally, a few days later, they're turning around. They're like, ah, we're going to die. But God does something amazing, doesn't he? God says to Moses, I got this. Can I say to you, whatever situation you're finding yourself up against, you're not in this situation. You haven't got an army chasing you down and a sea in front of you and nowhere to go. None of you are in that situation, are you? Are you? No. And God says, what have you got in your hand? And sometimes the answer to our issue is right in our life already. And he says to Moses, lift the staff over the sea and the sea parts. Who knows if there's anything else that that had to be him. And they walk across, and the word says they walk across on dry land. And so just imagine that for a moment. I don't know how deep the Red Sea is, but let's call it deep. And it piles up, so that's going to go deeper, isn't it? And so you're walking through, and that's an aquarium right there, isn't it? That shark over there. That's pretty cool, that. And you're walking through, and there's lots of you. And you're going through, and this is amazing. And then you get to the other side, and just as the army are about to chase you down, the sea closes over them, and God saves you. What kind of a moment is that? That had to be him. And here's their response to it in Exodus 15, verse 20. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand. Is that a tambourine, basically? Is that what a timbrel is? We're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. And all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. You know, it, they were excited. They had just witnessed and been part of an incredible, it had to be him, miracle that has saved their lives. So they are giving it some dancing. You know, I don't know if any of you are Facebook friends with me, but on, on my Facebook account, my cover photo is of me at Io and Becky's wedding, and they put some African dancing on. And uh, Nyasha, one of the students who was with us at the time, taught me the Azonto. It was the Azonto, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was there. Don't, I nailed it. I smashed it. <laughs> I, I, I am secretly African, you see. But um, there is something about the way the Africans do the dancing, which is all-inclusive. You see, you go to an English wedding... And they play, come on, Eileen, or, you know, something. <laughs> and everyone's, like, feeling a bit awkward. And what happens in the end, after about 30 seconds, the men all lose their nerve, and they back off to the bar, and they stand there like this. And all the girls are like, ah. But when the Africans do dancing, it's all inclusive and there's steps to it. And I got it within a few minutes. It was great and I was on there for ages. It was all inclusive. Now, it's similar to that when the Jews dance. You know, I went to a church years ago and they really celebrated, you know, Jewish tradition. And so during the worship, they had this particular song and it went something like, As David did in Jehovah's sight, we will dance with all our my la la la. Anyway, something like that. But you'd get in great big circles and you'd all do that cross step. La, 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 la. That was a thing. That was a thing. That was, that was a thing. And you'd get, but the good thing is anyone can do that. You could have zero rhythm, but you can do this, can't you, for crying out loud. 
So it was good. Now I'm picturing in this moment, they have just come through a life-saving, it had to be him, miracle, and the timbrels are out, and they're dancing. I'm sure there's probably a few hates in there somewhere, isn't there? But they are dancing and they are celebrating. That had to be him. It's a moment of joy. Shouldn't we celebrate the moments of joy? You will have moments of joy this month. I want you to celebrate them properly. How about, yes, that happened for me. I know it was him. And even if it wasn't him, I'm enjoying it because it was good. And I'm going to celebrate. Tell people about it. Enjoy the moment. It is good. Celebrate the moment. If you went through a miracle like that, how long would your joy last? Lifetime? Year? Ten years? Six months? All of the Old Testament is for our learning. And God uses the nation of Israel to demonstrate something of his kindness to humanity. But we also need to see ourselves in the Israelite people. Because we're people... And so are they. And we ain't that much different. We think we are, but we're not. Do you know how long, bearing in mind, they'd been released from Egypt. The army chased them down. They had a miracle where the staff was raised and the waters opened. They walked through the other side. They were saved. They danced and they celebrated. That is amazing. Let's have a look what happens three verses later. No, four verses later. Exodus 15 Verse 24, and if, um, I haven't read the, the middle verses, but the middle verses tell you that this is three days later. The people grumbled, saying to Moses, what are we going to drink? We've just been saved by a, by a miracle that had to be him. We walked through water on dry land. This is amazing, but I haven't got a drink. Can you see? We as people are very fickle. And let's not pretend we're not like them. Because God could do amazing, 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 amazing things in our lives. And we would celebrate them until the next issue arises. And then suddenly, we're not rejoiced anymore, are we? Flipping God, don't do nothing for me. (sighs) What am I going to drink? Oh, come on. Can you see? This is for our learning. Their joy was momentary. I say... Let's really enjoy the moments. Really enjoy them. Focus on them. Give them attention. Why? Because what you feed grows. And so if you look at those moments and go, yes, you'll be more encouraged to believe for more of those moments later. And so something's going on in your thought process, in your heart, in who you are becoming. But let's fully grasp this. Coming to the crux of the matter, church. To have sustained joy. Sustained joy. Turn the person next to and say sustained joy. It can only come from one place. And that is the source of joy, God himself. Not what he does, but who he is. And there's a difference. You see, here's the great thing. God always stays the same. He doesn't rust. He doesn't get badges nicked off him. He doesn't break down. He doesn't go out of fashion. He doesn't deteriorate. He doesn't do anything to bring you down or hurt you. He doesn't die. And he doesn't leave you. He's always the same. So if your joy is found in him, your joy can always stay the same. 
And the trouble is, as people, whether we're going to admit it or not, we focus on things he does instead of who he is. He will do things and celebrate them. But don't let that be it. Are you hearing me? We need to be people, and ultimately this is a message, a cry out to you guys to start engaging with who he is. The great thing is, he finds his joy in you. See, the joy of the Lord is you. It says for, for, the, joy, for, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross to die a death he didn't deserve, which was horrendous. But his joy was the possibility of a relationship with you one day. When he was on that cross, his motivation was you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy is you. So take that back to this situation. The joy of the Lord, which is you, is your strength. So when you look at yourself, you can go, God loves me just as I am. That strengthens me. Can you see? See, it's his joy giving you strength. But we want to be people who are known for our joy. And so we need to be people who are consistently attached to the source of joy. Not what he does, but who he is. And there's a shift there. When you understand God's heart, and I hope if you don't already, you'll grow into that. You never need to find yourself grumbling. Because you know his heart for you is good. And you may be in a moment, and the moments are real. But you know you're attached to the source of joy. And he will sort it. Those people were up against a sea. There was no way. Some of you might be in a situation, you're looking at something right now, you're thinking there is no way. But when you're attached to the source of joy, he can do things that are outrageous. And it will bring you joy in the moment, but don't let that joy be it. Enjoy the moment. Let the joy be in, wow, God, you love me. Full stop. Are you seeing it? Have a look at this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. <coughs> The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So here's the thing. If you are someone who is engaged in a relationship with God and invited him to live in your heart, and I hope you have, and if you haven't, I invite you to do that. Invite him to live in your heart. He brings with him the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So therefore, what's coming out of you is joy. And it hasn't come from an external source, a car, a person, a thing. It is something growing in you. You become the source of joy because the Holy Spirit's in you. Do you see it? So therefore, your joy doesn't have to yo-yo and go all over the place because so-and-so was unkind to me or so-and-so smashed my car up or my bank balance is lower than I wanted it to be or someone is sick, which knocks your joy. And of course it does to a degree, but you can maintain a level of joy because it's coming from the inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit is in you and it's a fruit. And who knows that an apple tree is going to bear fruit and it's going to be... Clever people in this room, aren't we? <laughs> Heck, all these degree students we've got. An orange tree bears fruit, and it bears. Oh, we're getting it. A pear tree bears fruit, and it bears. Oh, we're getting braver. You get the point. So, if we're talking about fruit, and the Bible uses lots of analogies to do with things that grow, if we're talking about fruit, you are a joy tree. And so what's going to come out of your life, the fruit coming from within you, 
is that apple, that orange, that pear, affected by a car that's broken down? Is it affected by someone being nasty to it? It's fruit. It's going to happen. It's coming out. And I want to say to you, isn't it time that we engaged with the king of joy and say, dwell in my heart? Because what will happen then is you're not looking at things, people, or even miracles to generate your joy. Joy is coming from the inside of you. And it's because you're connected to the source. Who he is, not what he does. Enjoy what he does. Enjoy things. Enjoy people. And of course, joy is going to go like this. Because there are going to be moments like you're ecstatic. And there are going to be moments when it's difficult. But rather than being here and here, how about being here and here? Do you know? So generally, you are known for your joy, but there are moments that are better than others. But you are never flat as a pancake, because what's inside you is the spirit of joy. And no one can take that from you. Romans 15, 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. There's the source. And peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you say, God, I need you, will you fill me? He's the source. It's your relationship with him, connecting with him, that allows joy to well up in you continually. Sustained joy. Are, are you grasping it? Are you, are you with me? Be sure of this. God has a plan. When you find yourself going through difficult things, you don't have to completely dip out of joy. And I want to say here, difficult things are real. Anyone been through a difficult thing? You know, th there are difficult things that happen. Whether it's a health report, whether it's a financial situation, whether it's a relationship, whatever it might be, they're real. And I don't want to negate them. But what I want to say this, rather than focusing on the thing and making it bigger than it is, we prayed this morning, focus on the source of joy who ultimately can sort out the thing. And therefore, yes, you might not be bouncing off the walls up here, but you're also not down here. There is a level of joy that is sustained in your life that you will become known for. You'll be someone who's, oh, I'm feeling really down. Do you know who you need to hang out with? You need to hang out with so-and-so. Because when I spend time with them, I just feel better. Do you know why? Because you've got the spirit of joy living in you. And it enables you to be consistent. When you start understanding who is the lover of your soul, God is, he is always always positioning you for a better outcome. That's his heart right there. So if you connect to him, you can trust him with your life. And therefore, the external things, although they do affect you to a degree, they're not the defining thing. God is. You're getting it. James 1, verse 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. It was, it was doing so well at the start there, wasn't it? Of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's the thing. What James is challenging us with is don't let the circumstances be your joy. Consider it pure joy. If, if something's coming up against you, it's okay because God's got a plan. And in that circumstances, he's going to bring you out better the other side. So enjoy Take it on the chin, suck it up and go for it. He has a plan, so consider it joy. These kind of thought processes stop us just focusing on the good things all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm happy when this happens, but I'm unhappy when this happens. This enables us to be happy here and happy here. Because God's doing something. And we trust him.
I mean, why have you trust God with your life? Yeah? So therefore, in the ups and downs of it all, and there will be ups and downs, but can I clarify something? And it's where I believe that Romans 8, 28 gets misinterpreted something sometimes. Romans 8 says something like this. Um, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Yeah? The trouble is that I sometimes think we interpret that as God uses good and bad things to bring you to a better place. But actually it says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God never, ever, ever, never, ever causes bad things to happen to you. Ever. So we can't say that God calls that to happen to me because he's got a plan for my life. Because he doesn't cause bad things ever. He gets a bad rep. God is love. Full stop. So he can't cause bad things to happen to you and then be love, can he? But we live in a world where God has given all of humanity free will. You can love me or you can not love me. You can believe in me or you can not believe in me. You can be kind or you can be unkind. You can be loving or you can be a murderer. Everyone has got free will and we're in the midst of that. God doesn't cause someone to commit murder. They make a choice. Unfortunately, the person who gets murdered could be you or someone you care about. Did God cause that? No. He gave someone free will. But what he says is in the midst of that, I can still work it out, redeem it and cause it to be good for you. Do you see the difference? So God's not causing bad things, but bad things might happen. But when those bad things happen, God can redeem it all because he's love. And it can work out for your good. So if you find yourself going through something tough, firstly, don't blame God. Because God's not doing it. But what you can do is have faith to say God can still use it for my good. Can you see the difference? And therefore, that enables you to maintain a level of joy in any circumstance. God, I know this is difficult for me, but I know you didn't cause it. I'm going to push through. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to take counsel, but I'm keeping my eyes on you. You're the source of my joy, and I will come out the other side. Those people were stuck up against the sea. Their joy must have been at an all-time low. But you know what? You got them through it. I will take that for my learning and know that in all things, you can work for my good. And you'll get me through this, and I'll have a story to tell that my God loves me. Yeah? Turn to three people you haven't spoke to yet and say, God loves you. The reality is, in a church like ours, we're all at different stages, and we'll all grasp this stuff at different levels. And I hope you fully grasp it. If you haven't fully grasped it, I hope you grasped it a little bit. But the reason we get together is to encourage each other. And tell your story. Maybe you've gone through something difficult. Tell the story. Maybe you've gone through something amazing. Tell the story. So as we tell each other the story, everyone else feels encouraged that you're not the only one going through something. You're not the only one who's felt bad. You're not the only one who didn't succeed at that thing. But you know what? In it all, I'm not going to lose my joy because I'm connected to the source of joy. Yeah? And as we do that, we encourage each other. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. We work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. We get together. This is, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians as a leader of the church. And he's saying, I'm not better than you. No one in this room is better than anyone else. Not me, not the elders, not the musicians. Not, no one is better. We're all great people together. No one's lording it over each other. But we work with each other for joy. So one of the reasons we get together is that we leave this place going, yeah, come on, I'm going to have a good week. And I'm going to make someone else's week better. We are a source of joy because the source of joy lives in us. 
Do you see? So you produce joy, but joy comes out of you enabling someone else to experience joy. So my encouragement in all of this is that you will go on a journey and you commit to that journey. And you're all clever people. You can use a message like this and go, well, that was quite good, quite, quite inspiring, I quite liked that. And I, and I hope you feel like that. But my hope is it's more than that. That you'll say, God, take me on a journey now of fully grasping this stuff so that my life could be consistently one known for joy. Do what you've got to do in me. Because in the end, it's about worship. It's about giving God the time and place in your life where he takes the throne and he takes control and you let him. And when you let him, he will take you on a journey that you could have only ever dreamed of. He says, no one can imagine what I planned for you. And yet we try to imagine, don't we? But whatever you're imagining, it's better than that. Because he says you can't imagine it. But the reality is we need to be people who say, God, I love you. Not because you did some stuff for me. And not because you're going to do some stuff for me, although he will. But I love you for who you are. You're my strong tower. You're the lover of my soul. You're my provision. You're my source of everything good. Everything good. 